0: Log Talk Radio. Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Jess Bina, your host. I'm the founder of Intersections Match, the only national matchmaking and dating coaching company focused on Indian singles in North America. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Abby Rodman. Abby is a psychotherapist who has counseled hundreds of individuals and couples' relationship issues. She has graduate degrees from both Harvard and Boston College, and her work has been featured in the Boston Globe magazine. Abby is the author of the book we'll be discussing on today's show, which is entitled, Should You Marry Him? A No-Nonsense Therapist-Tested Guide to Not Screwing Up the Biggest Decision of Your Life. Welcome, Abby.
1: Thank you so much, Jasmine. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: A great book. Um,
1: Very excited about sharing it with our listeners. Well, what
0: led you to write Should You Marry Him in the First Place?
1: That's a good question. Um, Well, I think it really started, you know, in just my practice. And hearing time and time again women telling me that they knew when they were getting married that they were not marrying the right person that they actually knew as they were walking down the aisle that mm-hmm. the person they were marrying was not the right person for them and after hearing this over and over countless times i thought something needs to happen here something needs to be done about this and someone needs to address it and that was kind of how the book started
0: ah well you you know you addressed it with discussing ten make or break pre-marriage issues, which, um, you know, from your experience, pops up, like I said, and actually you mentioned in every troubled marital relationship that you've, um, you know, that you've been privy to uh, while doing your, while Mm -hmm. working with um, so many couples and individuals. Um, So ten make it or break it. I'd like to discuss just a few of the ten, and the first one, which I'd love to discuss is, in terms of one of the issues your book states and I'm going to go ahead and quote from the book um in to clarify there is nothing inherently wrong with changing your life sometimes it's the best thing you can do for yourself mm-hmm. however changing your lifestyle and or your and or your belief system to comply with someone else's standards is another can of worms um and that's the end of the quote i you know very compelling so, will you Abby, can you tell us about that? Maybe give an example or two of, you know, the different ways that you've seen this um, manifested and played out while working with, with couples or individuals. And as well, you know, maybe give our listeners one or a signal or a flag that they might want to look for as they're navigating their way through their relationship.
1: Sure, sure. Um, first, I wanted to just put out there that, This book really is for anyone at any stage of life who is contemplating getting married. So whether it's the first time you're getting married or the fourth time, um, these questions largely do apply to everybody. Um, So in terms of changing your life, um, as you read, there really isn't anything inherently wrong with changing your life. And it can be a very good thing. But the red flag here is when you are being asked to change your life so dramatically by the person that you're marrying that it starts to take over or overshadow who you are or what direction you thought your life would go in or how you've lived your life to this point. And uh, one example in the book is... Um, a client of mine who had married into an extraordinarily wealthy family, um, and in return for all the perks that the lifestyle offered and that her in-laws and her new husband offered, she really had to give up her largely her connection to her own family, and that was just one of the unspoken. Requirements of marrying into this very, very wealthy, very well-known family. And as the years went by, she started to experience incredible regret because she missed her family and she missed her parents and she regretted that her parents had not had as much time with her children as her in-laws had. And that's the kind of thing that I'm referring to when I say that if you're being asked to change your life, in a way that is going to eventually feel inherently uncomfortable for you or is actually going to change your life in a way that is unfamiliar to you, that is a red flag. Because when something is non-negotiable, that's a problem.
0: Ah, non okay. That is a true red flag to not, um, you know, to get the feeling that there's just there's no way to negotiate here. It's kind of my way or the highway, and that's how mm-hmm. it's going to be. That, okay, wonderful. Well, in terms of parents, you know, you, many of us, um, and again, I'm going to actually quote from your book. I, I feel like I, I don't want to, I want to actually say exactly what you say here. Um, I think it's crystal clear in your book, and I want to go ahead and give our benefits. Uh, Our readers, the benefits of that. So, you know, in terms of another issue, your book states, quote, many of us hire on our potential spouses to activate or reactivate our childhood wounds. Everything we know about relationships we learned in childhood, and that knowledge becomes like a pair of well-worn slippers. We keep wearing them even when they're not all that comfortable anymore. Um, You know, Abby, same thing. You know, it's super helpful to get an example to just really make this Concrete and a red flag that so our listeners can you know really as they navigate around this um see if any of these may potentially apply um so any example you can give us a red flag you can share with us with respect to this?
1: Well, I think that it's it's basically true that our partners can get us more outraged probably than anybody else in our lives they just yes. know how to push those buttons and uh-huh. and that's you know that's part of being open and vulnerable to somebody else and somebody else knowing where you're wounded what your childhood experiences were like and i also I, I term this wound tapping because we 're tapping into the other person 's wounds, and those are usually childhood wounds. Those are experiences we had in childhood that have been that have stayed with us and that have colored who we 've become. And the wonderful thing, and there is a wonderful thing about wound tapping, which is that it can be very healing as well for couples. So, for example, if you know that your husband never got praise or admiration or accolades from his mother, and that is something that has always stuck with him. So he's wounded by that lack of admiration and congratulations so to speak from his mother and one way you would help him heal from that is that you would be the person who then becomes a person in his life who gives him that kind of love that he might not have gotten because you're aware that that's where he's wounded uh conversely if you want to be hurtful or if wound tapping is not used in a healthy way you're just going to keep on repeating the same patterns that his mother did and keeping him in that same wounded place of not getting the admiration and the kudos and the love that he so sorely needs. So that would be um, kind of a quick example of how couples can help heal each other as well as recognize what those wounds are.
0: What and I love that that's such an opportunity that we have, you know, in terms of demonstrating our love to our partners, to be able to, you know, be the people who really are, um, you know, healing that, and and that's amazing, and that's what I love, you know, for everyone to see that it's like you said, there's a flip of that, and that's the opportunity it presents, Um, and like anything else. could use for good and good and good and evil in that sense but um the opportunity to to be that person for for your you know who you love it's it's i think that's amazing um you know one of you know one of your chapters you actually entitle fill in your own blanks, and mm-hmm. i I want you to actually explain that to our, um, to, I think the chapter, you did a great job going into it, and I would love for you to just share what that means and, you know, an example, again, of of how you've seen one of the ways in which you've seen this manifested and, you know, playing out and, you know, any signals or, you know, red flags that someone can look for. So fill in your own blanks. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. Well, So many times I have heard women talking about how they kind of decided to marry up, so to speak. So they found the guy that made tons of money, that went to Ivy League schools, that did all the things that they didn't do or that they didn't take advantage of doing. And somehow by marrying this person, just by osmosis, they're going to... They're going to reap the benefits of this person's intellect, their education, their wealth, whatever it might be. They may even take on this person's hobbies and interests, and all for the sake of being with this person. What eventually ends up happening, Jasbina, as people age into a marriage, is that they suddenly realize that they've hitched their wagon to somebody else, and they're not really self-fulfilled. They're not self-actualized. They feel that they have given up their interests or not even fully explored their own interests, and now they're in this marriage where they are strangers to themselves. And so one of the things that I highly suggest, and this is important for any woman considering getting married, is that she develop her own interests, her own lifestyle, her own level of education, all the things that she might want to do that she should be doing before she enters the marriage, especially if she feels that those things haven't been fulfilled yet.
0: Absolutely, and I I will tell you, I hear from men, you know, I hear from them very often that I want someone who's passionate about something in their life, mm-hmm. you know. I don't want to be their whole world or their whole, and, you know, I think, it, you know, you can kind of slip into living sort of vicariously through someone else, but like you're saying, that's not really truly living if it's all mm-hmm. vicarious. So, yeah, I, um Absolutely.
1: Now, and then, um, yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, that's not to say you, of course, that you can't share some of the same interests, but this is more about, um, and I think as I'm as I'm talking about this, I'm realizing I'm probably talking about maybe younger women who um, may not have had the opportunity yet to find out, you know, some of the things that that they really want to do, and so this guy comes along and it all seems really great and they hitch on and one day they wake up and realize that they didn't do what they needed to do. And I think your point is an excellent one that men really are, and and anyone actually who's looking for a partner is looking for someone who's their own person. And Mm -hmm. if you, you know, at first it feels really great to someone that you're so interested in them and what they do. But ultimately, ultimately, they really want someone who brings their own life to the table.
0: Sure. To share in that. um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, absolutely. I mean, you know, to pick, to, to, you know, take on someone's interest out of, you know, that's kind of part of growing with someone. And, um, but the guy also wants to have that opportunity as well. Right. So you provide it by living your life as well. So absolutely. There's, um, I think there can be a fine balance in terms of that. Mm-hmm. one you know, one of your chapters, and this is the um one of your and I mean this is the last I think one of the last quotes I'm gonna do here from your book, but um it's entitled Bears and Hours and actually Bears and Hours Making Your Marriage Your Own. Um and this is it mentions the following. And you know, we come from as you know, you know, South Asian culture extremely family-centric. It's sort of a cliche, I guess. Going to throw those words around. But mm. um, so I want to close this. You and your fiancé unwittingly absorbed healthy and unhealthy ways of interacting from your parents. Think about what you learned about communication from them. If you can't objectively analyze what went on in your parents' marriages, which I think a lot of us can, so that's my i Start by telling stories about them. Um, when did you see them the happiest? What did they fight about? Uh, and so that's the end of the quote there, but um I thought that was, you know, a great tip in, in terms of it can be hard kind of in the abstract, okay, you know, objectively analyze someone else's marriage, because I think as you mentioned in the book in another point, which I think is a point well said, you know, you don't really know what's going on in that thing. It's a dynamic two people share, and in kind of a third person, no matter how close they are, you can't mm-hmm. quite touch what that is. But that said, you know, that said, um, you know, just, Telling stories about about your friends can kind of jog your memory as to, you know, when you know when were they had the happiest. What were the issues that seemed to separate them? So, um, would love for you again, you know, give us an example or, or two, or a red flag or two
1: um, from what you've seen. How how you've been, seen this played out
0: with your work with uh, individuals couples.
1: Well, it's a good question, and I've always uh, maintained that it's not. Actually, just two people getting married it 's six people getting married because you 're bringing your parents into it, and he 's bringing his parents into it and There are ways of that we learn as as you mentioned of communicating um, that we learn from our parents and it 's not it 's not only um, in terms of how we talk to each other but it 's also in terms of how domestic chores were divided, how money was handled, um, how anger and disappointment was handled. Um, there's, There's so many levels to what we witness in our own parents that we bring that right into the marriage with kind of the expectation that, well, the other person probably had pretty much the same thing. And the reality is, that's not true. The other person may have had a completely different or observed a completely different dynamic with his parents. And his expectation is that the marriage will be, you know, similar to, to what, you know, he witnessed as he was growing up. So um, it's really, really important to be as detailed as possible Um, and really to break it down. You know, don't assume you're on the same page um you know, negotiate. I mean, one of the things that's so important and, and what I want would want every listener to to absorb is that, you know, couples need contracts. We need contracts. There this is a lifelong partnership that you're entering into. And the the point being that if you were going to enter into a business contract with someone, you would know what the negotiable points were, and they would be negotiated, but what happens when two people marry is sometimes they don't really want to do that dirty work because that kind of negotiation is not that much fun and it can be a little unpleasant, and maybe some sparks arise, and you know we tend not to want to do that, especially we're in the we're in the happy moment of you know we're getting married, but it's so important that um that you both look at um at your families of origin and how issues how marital issues were handled. Um I don't know if we have time for an example um but sure. a, a quick ahead. a quick one from my book is one in which um a young woman came to see me who had tolerated very bad very poor be- behavior from her boyfriend. And as we, you know, and 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 in order to make up for his bad behavior, the boyfriend would would would, you know, come to her with grandiose gestures of dozens of roses and 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 all kinds of, you know, of of big ways of apology. And she couldn't understand why she was forgiving him time and again. And then we traced it back to her parents. And and in in a slightly different way, but very similarly, her father would behave in the same way. So her father would also apolog- you know, act badly, apologize to the mother with very grandiose gestures. And so that was a kind of pattern that she came to expect in a relationship, because that's what she saw in her own parents. And so she was willing to accept that kind of behavior rather than step back and say, whoa, okay, I'm doing this because I saw my parents do it.
0: Ah, objectively analyze. That's where that comes from. Okay. To so kind of step back and not immediately adapt. Something seems comfortable for you. Like you had mentioned before in terms of that well-worn pair of slippers may not actually be serving you, even if it seems comfortable at at the time. Um, well. You know what, I get this question, as I know, you know, matchmakers, you know, we, we have people that are in relationships, and then the question, you know, ultimate question of is this it, you know, um, is this is the this person for me? And I love the ultimate question that you recommend your readers uh, ask, will really ask themselves when they when they're wondering about that, and um I'm actually you know I'm gonna quote that question here mm-hmm. it says, am I happy in this relationship and with this person most of the time you know am I happy uh you know um I know that says you know that question kind of speaks for itself, but uh, you know anything you want to share with our listeners with respect to that
1: well, I mean, I think you know happy was happy was the most. Encompassing word I could I came up with there, but i I think I define happiness as being just kind of a a peaceful feeling that you have around the relationship, and there are so many times I've heard clients talk about the beginnings of their relationships and how really unhappy they were, and how really unpeaceful they were they were just chaotic there was a lot of fighting there were a lot of tears unhappiness and yet they still pushed through uh with with the marriage and 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 the wedding and what have you and instead of really really taking a deep breath and saying am i happy am i happy here is this what i want my relationship to feel like and i think so few women sit with that question and in fact i recommend asking yourself that question more times than you can stand and not not when things are great and not when you've had a huge fight but just in your day-to-day experience with this person are you happy do you feel satisfied do you feel peaceful and if the answer is yes over and over and over again then you're on the right track but if you're honest with yourself and the answer is not so much then you really have to think about what you're doing and what you're entering into. And in terms of
0: thinking about that, I um, actually, the question, the follow-on question to that that I feel is super helpful for our listeners, actually, is, you know, when you're thinking through, you know, am I happy in this relationship? And if you can, you know, if that question, you know, you know, if it's, If it seems abstract or if you want to kind of figure out how to go with that question, um, you suggest readers ask a follow-on question of, do you like the person you are in the relationship? Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to speak to a lot of people because at the end of the day, as we live our lives, people want to like who they are. That's how Mm -hmm. we're aligned and fulfilled. And the relationship you're in is such a big part of, you know, how you're living your life that, um, you know, do you like the person you are in the relationship? I found that question to be, um, you know, extremely compelling and impactful in terms of really, you know, sitting with yourself and, and asking yourself that. Um, so I wanted, want to acknowledge that question as well. Um, you know, really appreciate your sharing your insights with us, Abby, They's been very interesting. And once again, I want to share with everyone the name of Abby's book. Um, Should You Marry Him? A No-Nonsense Therapist Therapist Tested Guide to Not Screwing Up the Biggest Decision of Your Life. <laughs> Any uh, last thoughts or messages you'd like to share with our listeners, all so, Abby?
1: Well, first I want to thank you very much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I think that, you know, it's just these questions are intended to make people think, and mm-hmm. they are questions that many of us are not asked, and sometimes they're questions we'd rather not answer because we don't want to know the answers, but it is, it is absolutely imperative that you ask yourself these questions. So that you know that you're headed down the right track, that you're satisfied with your answers, that you have a peaceful feeling about this relationship, and that you know with your whole heart that you're doing the right thing and heading in the right direction. And always trust your gut because your gut will tell you. If you listen, your gut will tell you.
0: Thanks, Abby.
1: Thank you so much. And where can
0: Jim, is there a website where our readers can um can find can find the book or can find any um
1: can find more information about it? Sure. Like um It's okay. for sale on my website, which is abbyrodman.com, dot com. And it's also on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Um so it's out there. Wonderful, really great
0: information. Um in case you joined us late or would like to share the show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Matches Intersections website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us and make sure to join us for next month's show. Take care, everyone. <laughs>